I got three projects on my desk right now that, like I said, I'm doing that dance that they're going to be the biggest projects in San Francisco, the biggest project in, in Beverly Hills and the biggest project in downtown LA by far in terms of, in terms of floors. And to me, like, that's all I think about. That's all I dream about. That's all I wake up and have my coffee and tea to is how am I going to get the next, these next one or two or three of these projects. Welcome to All Things Wood Floor, episode 19, brought to you by Wood Floor Business, where the best and brightest in our industry come together for you, the wood flooring professional. Come see Wood Floor Business. Come be Wood Floor Brilliant. This episode of All Things Wood Floor is sponsored by Horizon Forest Products, the distributor with over 75 years of industry experience and one of the most comprehensive inventories of wood flooring products in our industry today. Joining me today, our guest, owner and chief wood floor expert, Paige Nazarian of Fame Hardwood Floors Los Angeles. Paige shares with us how fame came to be, hardwood flooring as an art form, his expertise with high-end hardwood flooring markets, and what it's like to work for the world's largest design and engineering firm. All that and more right here on All Things Wood Floors. We welcome Paige Nazarian, Fame Hardwood Floors Los Angeles, California. Wood floor pros around the world. Let's get to it. All right, Paige Nazarian, founder and chief wood floor expert at Fame Hardwood. Welcome to All Things Wood Floor. Thank you. Excited to be here. Hey, bunch of stuff. I, I looked at all your a lot of your material online. We do a lot of things. We talk to a lot of hardwood flooring contractors. Um, I'm a, an installer, a certified contractor, and I've been a wholesaler forever. And lately, we've been able to talk to people with showrooms, high-end showrooms, that do uh, custom restorations and you, you never know what wood floor business magazine is going to send me. And I got to tell you, I looked at your website. It's probably one of the nicest websites I've ever seen. The marketing is brilliant. Did you, did you hire somebody or are you doing all that yourself? No, we hired somebody, but also it's just been kind of my vision on what kind of videos we want incorporated in there. We still got a long way to go with what I want to do with that site. Um, it just became live. I want to say about five months ago. Okay. Uh, so there's just so much more that I still want to incorporate on what we're doing here. But uh, the website is, you know, after your showroom, yeah, at least out of L.A., your biggest influence on, on your client in terms of what you can do. And it showcases your talent and showcases your product. Um, so I think it's it's worth a lot of investment. And uh, we did. We definitely spent a lot of time on that to make sure that. Uh, not only it's something that customers can see the flooring, but they can also learn about, you know, other things about floors and colors that they might not uh, already know about. For example, one thing that we did is every single floor that we put up there, we scanned the closest Pantone color to that product and put the color number uh, next to that floor. So designers can choose, can see, because, you know, it's really hard to see off the screen what a real color is. But if you have a Pantone you know, uh, color matrix next to you, you can see what the actual closest color is to that sample. And then you can also start picking out the complementary colors. So before that sample even arrives, you have, you know, your nice little um, showcase made and, and board made mood uh, board made for your client. Um, and it just saves them a lot of time. And that's what we want to do is like, we constantly think, what can we do to make our lives, our clients lives a, a lot easier? You've been studying hard. That's, yeah. I, I started out in marketing 
And it's funny you say that. I I still have like a $300 Pantone index. And when we were doing shirts and graphics and design, you'd literally go to a, a company that's stitching and say, I need Pantone 308 green in these threads. It has to be in there. It's part of what we're doing. And that's to a whole other level. But you know, when you're when you're looking at flooring, I, we talk with designers, you know, you're pulling colors, you want to pull gray out of that granite, or you pull a little color, it comes down to threads like that things that the eye doesn't even even see. So maybe that is another reason why your showroom stands out like crazy. You guys got a 2022 uh, wood floor business outstanding real uh, retailer award recently, correct? Yes, correct. Um, our, our showroom was uh... Um, I guess we got the front cover of that as well, too, yes. as the one of the nicest showrooms in the country. We've actually been here now for 10 years, um, and we're opening up a new showroom in Melrose uh, next year that's going to kind of make this look totally old. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It's a whole new, you know, futuristic way of, of showing, uh, showcasing floors and collections. Um, but, yeah, we're really p- proud about what we did here. We, uh, you know, I travel the world. That's one thing that I've done and, and learned a lot about how other companies and other countries showcase their floors. And, you know, they kind of like, you know, we put it out there like it's like it's a piece of art. It's not something that could be should be on a rack. We don't have one rack in our showroom. Um, I kind of I think that's just like a disgusting way of, you know, showing a product that you're selling for 30, 50, 100 thousand dollars. Yep. is on the waterfall rack well you know, you know what know? happens with the waterfall rack you have a beautiful let's say two by two sample and you see an inch and a quarter of it and in three weeks that's the color that that's the part that turned color and the rest of the sample doesn't even look like it and and people so, yeah. are shoving them in and dropping them out and dropping them on their feet when they could look at i also like that they're on the wall you you put leather handles on them so people could move them around take a look at them and then get them back where they belong i assume Exactly. We put leather handles on them. We put a nice little wood binding uh, around it as well, too. Kind of like how uh, a piece of cabinetry door might uh, might look as well. Um, just little touches like that. It just goes a long way, especially with designers that are, you know, usually female are, aren't able to carry three or four of these large boards at a time. But when they have these handles, it's actually a lot easier for them to, to do it. And they, they thank us for it. Well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I'm looking online, and I want a question for you. It says um, Fame Hardwood, not Fame Hardwood Floors, Fame Flooring, et cetera, et cetera. My question is, what is Fame, and isn't it time we found out? <laughs> I've um, seen your videos. They're beautiful. <laughs> I was, I was going to wean it and go, what is Fame, and isn't it time we found out? <laughs> Love that. Who did that video? There's a video for anybody that listens to this podcast. You got to go to their website. You're, the, even the intro videos are super cool. Yeah, um, I'm not supposed to say who narrated that, but I think we can all tell who the voice was. We kind of did a little trade there with some of our. You know, we have a lot of clientele in LA that's a list, and sometimes we get a little trade here and there for a, an Instagram post or like like a narration on a video. That so one. that is something that that I am kind of lucky with based in LA that we get a couple of those every once in a while, which I love. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, we're kind of playing that underdog role. If like, if you haven't heard about us, maybe it's time you should, because people who have had an amazing experience, they've, they've been dealt with as they were a celebrity to us, you know, whether if it is a real celebrity or just someone walking off the street, we, we have great, you know, friendships, 
with our clientele, we um, respond to every text, every email within 24 hours. Nothing goes past that uh, to give our clients quick service. And, um, you know, that's basically what's been our claim to fame. And, um, yeah, that's been, you know, that's all we've been doing. It's, it's pretty simple. It's not, we're gonna, it's not brain science. We're going to talk about your market because they're, every part of the country is different. Um, when I was installing sanding and finishing, it was a certain market. Then you become a distributor, and, like, the Boston area is one of the largest in the country. But it changes every 20 miles, and then you get down to Georgia, the, to the islands, down to Florida. It changes. Go over to Texas. It changes. Uh, Colorado, Europe, and I've had some um, interaction with some of the companies out in your area. It's a different ball game. It's more like let's focus on the, the design element, the quality of what we do, and the customers will come. The good customers will come. And I think the worst thing you can do is try to rush it, get it going, build crews, hack it out. Um, do you do you get involved in the installation portion too? What is the what is Fame exactly? Explain that to me. Yeah. So we we're a manufacturer. We're an imp- Porter, we're an exporter, we're a part distributor, we're a part manufacturer, and uh, retailer, wholesaler, installer. So is there anything I'm, I'm leaving out? Pretty lazy. I was thinking maybe you're going to throw your back in <laughs> Pretty lazy. a little bit. But like, you know, you can't just kind of be in one little niche right now in the flooring trade and think like, okay, I think like I'm going to survive. You have to have a hybrid system. You got to be fluid. You got to constantly change with the markets. You got to constantly change with what the government is doing, with what you know the shipping companies are doing to us, to what plywood issues we might have. So you constantly there's such an evolution in what's going on in our, our markets that I can't just be a retailer. I just can't be a manufacturer. I can't be a distributor. I mean, any distributor I think that will tell you that they're really not a distributor fully. They're also maybe a wholesaler on the side. You know, they're a manufacturer. They're also doing some other stuff. There's, you know, some other angles that they have that they're not really telling us. You just have to be that kind of a thing. And installation, uh, which is the bane of my existence, (laughs) it's probably my (laughs) least favorite thing to do, but it is something that I have to do because when my clients come in here, they want that full service of sell me the floors, put it in my house and do everything from A to Z for me. And I can't just kind of, you know, pawn off my clients uh, to an unknown here, call these list of installers and see which one can give you the best service. We got to do that. And um, especially on big, large projects, too. That's another thing that gives us a leg up is that if a floor is specified by another manufacturer, any installer that comes in there is going to put up their markup of 25, 30 percent on that product. Why do that when you have our fame hardwood product? And there's no markup because we're doing the installation. Sure. So for big hotels, big condominium projects, we're about 25% lower than everybody else because of that advantage that we have of being vertically integrated like that. And in the next year or two, we're planning on adding our own finishing line. So if we add that to the mix, I mean, I think, you know, all bets are off. Well, you would, I, I read a lot of what you do. You contribute to Woodfloor Business Magazine and <clears throat> I, those articles come through a lot. I like to read as many of them as I can. And I know that in one, you were talking about how um, flooring is an art form and more or less your showroom and the sample boards that you use are, that's your canvas. 
and you're you're putting so when you go into a lumber liquidator's home, depot, Lowe's, et cetera, yeah, they have a purpose. You're gonna flip or something, you're gonna remodel, you're gonna put something simple in. Um, but what you do is is different. There are a few like you, not that many, that consider this art. You portray it that way. You give people their options and their choices. This is not cookie cutter. Um, that's what you're doing with your sample showroom, right? With your, it's more like artwork for you. It's like a gallery. It's an art gallery, exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. It's really an art gallery because, yeah, you could buy a piece of art for five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. You know that you could like at a Home Depot. There's also art that you could buy. It's a million dollars, a hundred million dollars, depending on how. Um, unique that product is and how you market it. Let's be real. Andy Warhol was the king of marketing and his paintings and his lithographs, which are so simple to reproduce, are selling for tens of millions of dollars. So it's really getting that mindset of how is art sold and how can we sell flooring in that in that methodology? Um, because it is almost the same process. It is a piece of canvas, which is the wood. It is paint or stain that goes on top of it. And then a type of a finish that goes on it to protect it. And at the end of the day, the, the, the wood is really the star here. It's not really us. There's no artist behind this. It's really just a piece of wood and how we sell what is unique about that wood, but it's how you showcase that wood. It is important on, on, on different levels because like I said, there's not really an artist behind this that we talk about. You really got to, sell the wood and the material and the store behind the flooring. Like we have a line that's going to be coming out called the Revoke Collection. Okay. It's oak that is hundreds of years old that comes from the bottoms of the rivers in Europe mm -hmm. that comes out completely black, super dark, super hard. It has history. It has, you know, you can smell it. You can taste it. You can see this product and you see eons of years of, of, toil and mud and dirt that's been you know this wood has this tree has been soaked in and that's the kind of stuff that i love selling that's the kind of story that customers are like that's what i want to put in my home that's what makes you know it art. and you know up, that all the way down right well it well it, it tells a story if you go to a museum in paris or anywhere around the world it, it the like i'm an impressionist person and to me it it the at that period in time and throughout Europe, that was news media. Someone painted something. It told a story of a time period. And then the, the invention of the camera pushed forward, well, we, we need to do something different. We, we need to get, do something with color and be vibrant and let people see what color looks like because cameras couldn't do that. So all these mm -hmm. impressionist painters, but it was still for that period telling a story of a life event. And like you're saying, there's an attraction when people see wood. They see carpet, they see vinyl, they see faux wood, whatever it is. It's, it's all very interesting, and you can make it look Ikea cool. But when you're looking at a piece of wood that has history behind it as well, you can, you can literally feel the artistic impression that comes from it and how genuine it is and how, and how valuable it is. You don't feel that with synthetic products or tiles and things unless maybe it's sculpted marble. I mean, even just looking at your showroom, absolutely beautiful. Where did you get all the post and beam work? Um, that is from a reclaimed uh, farm that we uh, pulled out of in Tennessee. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, beautiful pieces of of beams, and 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 the and the showroom that I'm actually in right now already had a bow truss ceiling okay. that sold me on it. 
the second I walked in, I'm like, done. You know, anything with any kind of a boat truss, beautiful kind of wood, Douglas fir uh, fumed kind of an aspect to it. That was a, a, a deal, a sealed the deal for me as well in here too. Um, but yeah, anything that just has any kind of history um, that we can showcase in the material, in the products, that's 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 what I want to. That's what makes our our space unique by doing that. Well, looking at some of what you have there, and you're in Los Angeles, so you've talked about some of the material you're bringing from different places. To do what you're doing, do you have to bring a lot of materials from um, domestically and from around the world? Do you have to do a lot of traveling to find your material? Yeah, you know, and I, I got to tell you, living in LA, and I think in living in New York. We are a little bit lucky because I feel like we're always at the forefront of what the next trends are in in America. I feel like the designers, the you know the the importers, they just kind of have a finger on the pulse of what's next. And then the rest of you know the Midwest and maybe Miami and the coast, they all kind of like catch up with what's going on. Like, you know, gray, I'm sure is really hot. Gray colored floors are really hot oh, right now in the Midwest. I wish right? they'd go away. They're pretty hot. We're we're kind of like two, three years removed from buying, selling any gray. I have no samples that are gray. Like maybe a touch of gray like that one. And maybe this one above here is really all I have. Um, I got enough of a touch going. of gray. I don't need any more. My, I'm already going. Yeah. Gray. We tell the reps that come in, I'm like, all right, it's been about seven years enough with the gray. We have a rack of something that was all gray, and they did go out and find us some earth tones and things to, to get back to that. We, when I was in retail down in, in Tampa, we would talk about the trend-setting states. It's what goes from California, hits Texas, mm -hmm. Florida, Miami, Tampa, the Western Coast, maybe New York then. And sometimes, like you said, it could be years behind that we find that those trend settings and styles, the money's there, the affluence is there, um, the, the taste, the style, the design, the weather, everything about it. And, and people I know in, in California, which is what, 10% of our entire population, they like to get out and shop. They like value. Everything's kind of pricey. So they want something of value. And I think you can right. see that just looking at your showroom um, you know, you're not you're not walking into the local lumberyard by any stretch of the imagination. Do you have to go to, to Europe and abroad for things too? Or yeah, yeah, I definitely go to Europe. There's uh, Italian factories that we work with, uh, Belgian, French. Um, I went to go see one in the UK recently. Had some beautiful, amazing floors in there as well too. Just constantly seeing what's new, what's out, what's what's unknown. That's new to me. Um, how's a different way of making a floor, of staining it? Maybe there's a natural way of doing it and not some of these chemical ways of doing it. So there's all these new ideas that take a little bit of time to get from Europe to the to the U.S. So you have to go to, you know, you, you know, I actually went to Brazil too 10, 15 years ago to see some of the Brazilian woods when, when they were up and running and hot. But that kind of, you know, died out real quick too. Sure. Um, but you just kind of got to go with the trends and see what's happening and try to, uh, you know, you can't sit behind your desk in a cubicle and think like you're always going to be uh, top of the heap of what's what's happening and trending in, in your town. You got to wing it sometimes. Gotta, like you said, travel. it's art. I talked to a, a buddy of mine down in Cape Coral, Florida today, and he, he had a floor. They couldn't match it. So they took all this material, cut it to what they wanted to do with it. They took it in a shop and gently burned each board. It's like parquet brulee. He torched the surface of everyone. Did a little acid wash, stained it, whited it out, 
ripped that off the surface, left it in the pores, and then put a, a finish onto it. And I'm like, good for you. Like you, you found yeah. another way besides let's go shop around and find something. But you've reversed the process. If you come up with those combinations, they become yours. People see them and they want them. And you know, the, you might not sell the same floor twice, but it makes your floors unique. Uh, yeah, there's there's been industries that have been made because of this. Is is shoshiki bond is a Japanese way of torching the flooring that you know I know there's a couple of guys in Austin that are doing this. They made a huge career out of doing it, and making some of the most beautiful floors. Delta Millworks, I think, is one of them. Beautiful, beautiful floors and uh, wall paneling that you know they all started by just what if we torch the flooring and put a finish on it? Something as simple as that has bought has probably built a multi million dollar um, you know brand for them. So yeah, just keep on testing. You know, I have a guy that came to me and said that he put pomegranate juice on the flooring to see what happened and show me some samples. It looked pretty amazing. You just got to keep on seeing what happens and test it and, and try it because um, even though wood's, wood's been around for a long, long time, we still haven't figured out all the different ways that we can really come up with amazing uh, colors and, and processes with it. It's still relatively unknown. Oh, no, you're right. I've um, I, years ago somebody here in New England found a floor. It, it, they said it was all full of mold, and it wasn't. But we found out what it was was um, iron oxide contamination. And then I mm -hmm. found out that woodcraftsmen for years have used iron oxide in flooring. And I started doing it. You can take vinegar and throw a couple steel wool pads in it, time the wash of it, and use it for different degrees of blackening wood and ebonizing wood, and. So something that was a technical issue that we found all over, when people made that transfer from um, buffing out a floor with steel wool, which they did for years, and started using water-based finishes, it caused a lot of problems because oil-based finish was, would encapsulate the metal. Not with mm -hmm. water, it will cause it to acid and burn and, and actually burn the floor. So we've seen a lot of guys that will teach whole seminars on how to do an iron oxide wash on a floor or an aniline dye on a floor. And then, like you said, manipulate it a little bit, maybe cut some of that off and put some of the whitener in or some different color that's there. People are taking wood back to an artistic level there. And, and you mentioned something that happens here a lot. They're going out and shopping first for the base material, exotic woods, uh, quarter sawn material, material with fleck, um, Come on, there wasn't a textbook up until like an hour ago that even knew what... There's no reference to live song. And now there's live song. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Someone still... <laughs> I still want to see someone put their foot forward and explain that one. But I have seen <laughs> some of what they call live song. It's become super popular. Good for them. Another interesting new look in our industry. Marketing. Yeah. Marketing. It's just a new form of marketing. That's, that's kind of like, you know... That's uh, that, our, we have a new line of finish that we're going to be coming out with next year called the cashmere finish. It's a finish that feels like cashmere. A great name. I mean, you probably, yeah, you probably felt a, a, a floor that probably felt like cashmere, but never even thought about like, what do we call this thing? You know, that really brings it home. It's just a different level of marketing. You just, you know, the, our, our industry is a little bit behind lagging on, on how to market our, our products, but, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, that the industry is, is, is getting there. Well, did this all come? Where did this all come about? Did you have family in the industry or how did you jump into all this? Yeah, I was born uh, with samples of carpets around my crib is, is, is the way my dad put it. Um, oh we're, yeah, I'm a second generation. My parents came here from Iran after the 79 revolution. Uh, my dad went into the carpet industry um, in the 80s, was really hot for anything carpet and, and part of the 90s. Uh, high school, college, I joined. I hated everything about that industry. I hated 
the smell. I hated the product. I hated the profit margins. I hated the installation methods, the clients, the seam tape, the, the way you would measure and how you had to figure out how many yards of carpeting you need. Oh, <laughs> like when we do wood flooring, you just do the square footage and you're done. You know, carpeting needed so much more brain power and, and you make a tenth of the profit. So after a few years, I said, I, you know, I got to do my own thing. Can we start bringing in some wood flooring in and right. just brought in some lines and, and imported some stuff and it grew big enough that within a few years, I just, you know, told my dad, I got to do my own thing. And 10 years ago is when I started up uh, Fame Hardwood here on Beverly Boulevard and uh, best move I ever made, not only for business-wise, but for our personal relationship as well, too. What is it? I've set up businesses, retail, wholesale, et cetera. How do you set up in it uh, where you are? It, that's a pretty famous little area. It's high-end. I can't even imagine what the rents are. What makes you say, you know, let's just go downtown and find us a hot little spot? It can't be that easy. I got to tell you, there was there was two clients that I spoke to when I was looking for a spot because I was looking for a tucked away space that was, you know, really tucked away. And both of these clients said, what are you doing going over there? You need to open up where all the designers are. You need to be where all the action is. And I was like, I, I just can't afford it. It's just too expensive for me. And the idea came to me. Why don't I just group? Why don't I join another guy that I know that's in the cabinet industry? And we start off together. And we share the rent 50%. We share our clientele because cabinetry and flooring are always going to be neck and neck and side by side on any project. Mm -hmm. I share his clients. He shares my clients. Um, and that's how I started this thing. It was with the cabinet guy. And within two years, we grow. We grew big enough that, you know, I was like, I got to, you know, I'll take this space. And he's like, I'll take another space. And, and that's how we started. And now, like, it's, it's, it's nothing. Like, you laugh at it now, like, the amount of business that we've done uh, of what, what the rent is and, and how it is on Beverly. And now, like, you know, like I said, we, we bought a building on Melrose and are, are moving up uh, to much bigger space, much higher profiled uh, uh, area and um, knock on wood. It's been, it's been amazing 10 years. Can you, can you explain your market a little bit? Like, what is it like? We're not in the market that you're in. It's, it's, it's holistically different. What, what is a day-to-day -day like? What are, what is, how does the whole process work with clients coming in? And it's just a whole other level if you could kind of give me a little insider on that. Yeah, it's definitely a mix between um, contractors, developers, and uh, homeowners. So, um, I'm sorry, not contractors. I would say designers, really. Designers. Uh, the designers are the biggest... Um, I'm in the design area. They're the biggest one that comes that come in here the most and give us repeat business. And they have a certain aesthetic that they're looking for. And that's why, you know, you got to make your showroom stand out from all the other flooring guys. Because if your showroom looks like a cheapy, cheapy showroom, you're going to attract the cheapy, cheapy designer and client. If it looks pretty amazing, your samples look amazing. That's the kind of clientele that you're going to get. And you can uh, achieve a, a different level of, 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 uh, a success. Um, we do get a lot of homeowners that come in here too, looking for their own project, but mainly any homeowner that's building a house that's 3,000, 4,000 square feet or more, pretty much has a designer that they've attached themselves to. So it is very heavily design based out here in LA. Can you tell me, tell me about two things? I'm going to jump ahead a bit because like I said, I went over some of your work. When we're talking about design elements and working with design people, um, it, in here, it's a little different. Sometimes you have a you go to Boston, you have a very 
um, talented design team that's working on something specific. And sometimes you're working with a small local person that's matching drapes and blinds or something. And then sometimes you get what I used to get, which is inferior desecrators, <laughs> interior <laughs> decorators. And it's a whole, as a whole form and function thing. Tell me about two things that I think only you could tell me about. Tell me about, is it Kelly Werschler and uh, yeah. Gunsler Design? Because I, I read you had talked about them a bit. Yeah. So when I first started this showroom, the two, you always got to have a goal of saying, this is the top designer I want to work with. This is the top architect I want to work with. Right. When I first started the first week, I said, these are the two. Because Kelly's work is unbelievable. She is, I think, the best designer in the world. Sure. Um, her style is impeccable. Her taste is, is um, it, it's, it's unparalleled. And she's right up the street from me too. So wow. <laughs> I, I, I had to make sure that we could get in uh, to her project in any way, shape or form. And eventually we did get into one of her husband's projects in downtown, a big multifamily unit project in downtown that her husband was doing that our, that our floors got specified in. And from there, that relationship grew from her office into her office and, um, you know, working with her, her client, her clientele are some of the biggest hoteliers and condo developers um, in the world. So we, we parlayed our way into, you know, all the proper hotels, the one in San Francisco, the one in Santa Monica, the one in Austin, um, to be able to provide them the flooring for all those projects. And um, yeah, she is, she is the queen. Uh, who's Gensler Gens Design? Gensler Design is Gensler. Gensler is is the biggest architectural firm in in the country. Right. Um, they do a lot of multifamily projects as well too. Um, a lot of commercial projects, but they are you know if you look if you go onto any architectural website and say who is the top architect in the in the country, Gensler is always going to be number one. They're number one for a reason. They're always one step ahead in terms of what's next what's new what is climate appropriate what is you know forget about trends it's not it's not a matter of an architect that's always trendy it's always an architect that is always um looking out for what's best for our country what's best for the globe you know and that type of architect has been i think it's been missing um, the past couple decades, and now we're seeing more and more of them. And Gensler has been in the forefront to be, what can we give? What can we give this space without taking away from, you know, our health? It's good when companies get to a level where they're um, successful enough and lucrative enough that their thought is, well, how do we give back? That was a reason behind the cause that we started um, five six years ago, which is called Acre for Acre. Acre for Acre, correct? I saw that on that is. That is something that we started and we've kind of left it open-ended for any manufacturer or retail to be a part of, which is for every acre of flooring we sell, we plant an acre of trees. Excellent. And it's not only giving back one-to-one, -one, it's giving back a hundred-to-one um, at the end of the day, but it's a simple gesture. It's very simple because, it, you know, at the end of the day, it costs 1500 bucks. Sure. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm selling 44,000 square feet of flooring on average, you know, that could be almost half a million dollars. Sure. What's fifteen hundred dollars that we can give back to plant an acre of trees? Sure. You know, to give back for what's been sustaining my livelihood um, 
uh, and uh, and like I said, I left it open ended for any other manufacturer to be a part of and 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 believe in this cause. And we we partner up with American Force to 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 ensure that we give back what we take, not just for one to one, but a hundred to one. This podcast is brought to you by Horizon Forest Products. Horizon Forest Products offers customers over 75 years of industry experience and one of the most comprehensive inventories of pre-finished and unfinished hardwood flooring, floor equipment, abrasives, finishes, fasteners, and accessories. Horizon Forest Products loves their customers, and it shows. Give them a call, and they'll show you why they continue to be one of the fastest-growing hardwood flooring distributors in the U.S., Find out more at www.horizonforest.com. Explain that a little bit to me. Everybody has a little different vision of how they want to work and who their client base is. Yours is probably a little different. What's the one-on-one like for you with your client base? How does it all start? How does it get initiated? When do they get to bump into you and use your showroom? Yeah, I try to get in first. You know, even if uh, there's other reps in my showroom, I like to, I like the experience of going up to the client establishing a relationship, shaking their hand, trying to figure out their psyche. You know, like we forget as flooring salesmen that somebody is coming into your showroom with a certain psyche of what, how they've been dealt with, what the process of building has been for them and the difficulty of doing in, in this day and age. What is the outcome that they're trying to achieve? And ultimately, are they trying to impress themselves or other people? Right. You know, that's really the, like this, there's, there's a psyche that we're dealing with. And if you're able to, you know, understand that psyche, you're able to feed that client what they need to close that sale. Sure. And I come in there, I start talking about their project, what's going on, what streets it on, how long you've been doing it, who's your contractor, how's your, how's your designer, how's your husband been during this whole process? Um, when do you plan on moving in from here? You know, just, just hear the whole story, hear them out. They're dying to tell you all the hardship that they've been going through and have someone be their shoulder to, to hang their head on. Then we get into the flooring aspect and I got four questions that I asked them and like, you know, we put that in the magazine, four questions done nine out of 10 times, perfect floor. And, and, and they leave happy. First question is what is the style of your home? What what style is what style is your is your project? You know, at least in LA, every single city is going to have their own different style. But at least in LA, we have modern contemporary, we have traditional, we have transitional. Um, you get some Mediterranean, and you get some that's uh, mid-century. Those are pretty much the top five. If they tell me what the style of their home is, I know that if it's a modern select floor, I'm not giving them. Uh, a reclaimed product. Sure. I'm not giving them something full of character, full of knots. You know, if it's a mid-century product home, I'm giving them walnut. I'm giving them rift oak. We're giving them stuff that is perfect for that kind of style of of project. Um, then we ask them what kind of color you're going for. Sure. Usually, we kind of split that up into three: either light, dark, um, mediums, grays. We're kind of the fourth, but they've kind of been phased out a little bit here in LA. So it's usually been, you know, those three is where we go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot light has been very popular right now. Something pale, something naked, um, not a lot of color, very light, bleached almost. That's become one of our popular sellers here here in LA. 
Um, the next question we asked them, which I don't think a lot of people do in, in their showrooms is what is the height of your ceiling? Mm-hmm. And that's something I learned from Kelly is that we did a project with her where there was a historic side of the building and there was a newer side of the building for the hotel. The newer side of the building, the hotel rooms had um, the height of the ceilings were 10 feet tall mm-hmm. and the historic buildings were eight and a half, nine feet tall. She decided, of course, to use the same color for both of those projects, but she went with a skinnier two and a half inch width plank for the historical building and a four inch plank for the newer building because it just fits more to scale. So when someone comes in here and says, I got a nine foot height ceiling in my in my home, I'm not going to show them anything wider than six, seven inches, you know? And if they got a ceiling height that's 14, 13 feet high, we're going to go to the nine inch wide products and more that's going to be a better aesthetic um you know economies uh, more of a scalability thing that is that is a better fitting product for them well it's then a we ask a them fit, right it, it brings it down i when yeah. when i would do that here in new england we have been trying to get away for 200 years away from strip two and a quarter two and a quarter two and a quarter and if you right. do finally have a home with some higher ceilings not the standard eight foot ceiling your house starts to look like a basketball court if that's what you want it to look like but when right. you explain to a client okay see this room if we put strip floor in here, you might as well just get your racquetball racket out. But if we were to put in a wider blank, it pulls the ceilings and the walls down. You get that comfortable uh, den-like feeling uh, it, or like a ship's plank feeling. It changes the whole feel and the whole design and the whole, whole mood of the room. You could shift it quickly from contemporary to something far less contemporary like you're talking about. Right, exactly. And... It's the width of the plank and the length of the plank. Let's talk about that too. Okay. That's also really important. Do you want a bunch of one footers to, to six footers in a space that is, you know, a, a 1500 square foot open living room space? No, you want the longer length stuff that's 14, 13, 12 feet length, random um, up to that size. So that's something that we have a discussion with and make sure they understand because look, I don't think other flooring companies are even discussing that with them to explain them. This is something that is that you should think about. Well, the whole industry was mechanized like that. Here, um, you can go in an old New England house and every board in one room is one length. That's it. And then as the rooms get bigger, it got really creepy because you'd have a 12 foot and a one foot and a one foot and a 12 foot or all the shorts on one side. Oh, it got crazy. But back then, people wanted everything to be one long length in the room. Uh, which that doesn't happen. And then when I first got into flooring, we had what was called unnested. So an eight foot bundle had 12 or 15 eight foot pieces. And the industry got so backed up with lumber yards where um, people that aren't particularly flooring contractors like framers and carpenters, they would return all what we call the aces and the shorts. They would stack up like firewood and the industry got fed up with having that kind of waste and then people returning them to the distributors and counting was a big pain. Well, what happened? The industry formatted it and said, we're going to have a seven foot nested bundle or or nested bundle. That way, when they crack it open, they got to use it. And you're right. That changed the whole idea of longer length. So when people call me as a distributor now, they'll say, I need two to 10. I need four to 10. I need whatever that might be. You have to actually ask for longer length if you're going to get any. I got to tell you, in my showroom and in my space, we don't sell any flooring that has a one foot plank in the boxes. I refuse because to me, it's unnecessary. That one footer shouldn't be in there. 
I consider that a skipping stone where you should be like stepping on it and it should not be part of your, your home. It's kind of a joke. So um, if anything, they should be separated and made into herringbone. You know, all the short pieces that you're talking about should have been separated and, and you know, marketing and <laughs> sell it as herringbone and charge 20, 30% more for that. That might be solved. You know, today they turn that stuff into wood pellets and it, wood pellets are about $300 a pallet just to take that, that dunnage and burn it off. What's your fifth? I know you got one more. Do you remember? Come, bring it to me. The last one that we do is, is uh, how much traffic That's do you have one. in your home? Yep. Because if you have dogs, big dogs, if you have a bunch of kids, if you have a bunch of parties, walnut floors are not going to be the best floor for you. Right. Um, you know, birch floors are not going to be great for you. So we all, that's usually the last question that we ask. Uh, and then typically we go to a, an oak or European oak or something a little bit harder if they have a lot of traffic. But, you know, I don't want to get a floor that as beautiful as it is. They call me in a few weeks saying, there's dents and, you know, all these things all over my floor. Why don't you tell me about that? We got to inform the client that even though that you're paying a lot more of a premium for walnut floors, it's not a harder wood than an oak floor. It just costs more because it's just more waste that you have to go through to get a cleaner looking walnut floor. So, again, things that customers don't understand that we have to inform them. Well, and that's, that's pretty walk much it. it. After right? that, we... Yeah, they gotta walk. It on. is a they gotta live on it. We used to have a really intricate showroom, it. and it had probably I don't know eight species of wood, let's say, with medallions and the whole thing. And after a while, you could see the American cherry and the walnut got the tar kicked out of it, and the the maples and the hickories didn't have even a blemish on them. And then you know, if you were to do that on an entire floor, what are you going to get from it? And I, I will ask you this because I saw it online, and I love walnut. We almost never sell American walnut, or, or we will sometimes sell steamed or um, Peruvian walnut. But mm. you have one on your website. It's the Geometrics Collection. It's a kind of a twist on parquet. What is that? And if anybody goes to their website, take a look at this thing. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So, you know, parquet, when you say parquet, people usually think of the traditional Versailles patterns and the Monticellos and the Brittany designs and all that old school French, um, you know, type of a parquet that we've all been seeing in all the different homes in France and, and in the East Coast. We said, you know, in my travels, I found some amazing, you know, modern parquet that could be made with brass inlay, marble inlaid, um, beautiful triangular cuts, trapezoid cuts in the products that really just just stand out from what from anything else that's been I've seen in the market. Um, and you know, we label the geometrics collection with an X because it's just it's just such a beautiful way of putting pieces of wood together in a flooring that honest, honestly it looks like if i could say that's probably our most artistic pieces of products that we have that i'm most proud of is is those pieces because a true level of art you know artisanal um skill goes into making those products and there's not many factories in the world that can make this it i mean maybe more, one or two that i can think of it 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 literally jumped off the screen it looked more like marquetry than than parquetry it, it was just it it just the walnut and the texture of it and the colors and whatever you were, were finishing uh, with it, it's a whole other look. Your your, I mean, your websites I've I've talked about and um, you see a lot of websites. There's a lot of time and effort and, and sound and excitement that goes into yours. There, it's fun to click on there and just 
and watch. Sometimes you jump on a website, you jump off. It's pretty entertaining. Can you tell me what Fame Club is? Yeah. So Fame Club is something that we're going to start next month. That is an invitation to uh, certain designers that we're going to give out that gives them for $750 a year, a membership to uh, get an extra 5% off any order, all orders, I should say, for the whole year, not just trade discounts, but an extra 5% off. It's really made for that client that is just really busy, wants to have a home that they go to for all their projects and that doesn't want to think twice about where am I going to go to find this client, their floor. They'll call us, they'll tell us what their needs are. With that, they get they get three large sample boards shipped for free all year. They get uh, unlimited cut samples shipped to them per year. They get invited to our dynasty dinners, which are once a year. They get their Instagram posts um, posted on our website and our Instagram feeds as well too. It just gives them a whole different access, you know, a little bit more of that velvet rope, um, you know, love that we like to give some of our designers. And um, just to make their hectic lives a little easier, what else can we do is what we keep constantly think is what else can we do to make their lives easier? And the fame club is, is that next level. For our business people that, are, that we do speak a lot about running their businesses, their operations, are you you're the first person I've run into? You guys are taking Bitcoin? Yeah. Wow. Good <laughs> yeah. For you. That's crazy. It's a cryptocurrency. I'm like, wow, that's, I don't know if I'm going to go down that road just yet, but that makes a lot of sense right now. I got to tell you, the idea was, is that all these guys that made their money in, in Bitcoin and crypto are going to eventually have to leave their mom's houses and go buy a house. Yes, <laughs> somewhere. And, and they're going to, you know, use all this money and hopefully find another vendor that can take, you know, all this currency and, and buy their floors. They're all going to need floors for all their projects. So we added that. Um, we haven't had too many. It hasn't been too big. And I think after the crash, you know, the chances are a lot less. Well, you're um, but we put it out there, there because, yeah, we think of a market, a different market that, like, we're trying to break into. And why not? Hey, after you know? people are done shipping their uh, their cryptocurrency over to foreign island casino companies, they're going to want to put it into something that they can have some value from. Right. You, know, right. You, you talk about that, like the market, et cetera, and changing things. I think in the last... I mean, I've been at my particular uh, job for 27 years, and we've seen every form of up and down there is, including being bought like three times. Um, when I read some of what you had been writing about, we were, we were going over things like um, anti-dumping, tariffs, uh, lumber shortages, cargo containers. You probably have port issues. We're, we only rarely come across things like that. What are, what are all these things that have been thrown your way and in what time frame? Has this been all recent? Or I mean, it starts with the anti-dumping about 10, 11 years ago. Okay. I mean, once that started levying on our industry, I mean, we're we're close. We're the, probably the closest market to China. So we got affected pretty hard by that. Um, when your biggest supplier is getting levied a tax that could be 0%, could be 180%. We don't know. We'll figure it out at some point in the next decade or so. And we'll let you guys know retroactively <laughs> how much that's going to be. So save up. So that was a huge, huge, huge game changer. It all started from then. Then, of course, look, we have your COVID issues. You have your supply issues. You have your, you know, container issues that were $30,000 a container. Now that has gone down to $3,000 a container, which is, you know, thank God, check that off the list. Um, you have your shutdowns. 
that we had to deal with with Shanghai and some other port, uh, some other factories. Which again, this is why we're so, so successful is that we're not working with one factory. We're working with twelve different factories in twelve different countries. So if there's an issue with Shanghai, we go to the other factories are open and and change our orders and move them to the other factories. You have to. You have to be versatile. Um, now the biggest issue that we're dealing with is what plywood. Oh, yeah. plywood is going to be the biggest issue that's going to be inundating our industry for the next year to two years, maybe more, because all the plywood is made in Russia, Belarus, Belarus. Uh, people don't right? realize when they say, "Oh, I just want Baltic birch." Well, that would be Baltic birch from Belarus, and or yeah. you can get your material from China, shipped to Canada. It's uh, it's become quite a thing. Just as engineered quality engineered started to really take off and right. they provided right. boy they could make you could buy lumber here on the docks in in new york take it to china or or to russia and make plywood and bring it back at a high grade cheaper than we could possibly do it we come we combine the two together and and now we have all these issues in when you're where you are could you literally see ships out in the ocean just sitting there we've we've heard about this from different people but or you must have at least known they're just bottled up out there listen i live in brentwood brentwood is very far away from long beach the port of long beach there's the port of los angeles which is north of that from my house in the ocean you can see the the ships at its worst and i'm telling you we're probably a good 60 miles away from all that and you can still see the congestion at that point when it was at its worst. Um, it's just another issue that we had to deal with, you know. Like that's why the American factories. But it's always, it always, it always, always, always presents an opportunity. Any kind of, it's like you know, it's like the bootlegging industry. Just put, like we're just right. gotta move and shift stuff around. It's the woodlegging industry. Gotta now. move around. It. You got. <laughs> You got to find a U.S. factory that can make it a little bit more than the Chinese factory and just fill those orders and not lose that client. So if you're, you know, industry savvy and you know your market, you're able to fulfill those orders and not lose those clients because, yeah, they were sitting on the ports for four or five months at a time and clients needed their floors in two months. I so told, I spoke yeah. with uh, Roy at, in, at Rhodium in California, and he said he had NDAs and non-disclosures with some very famous people that he had to literally say, please look out in the bay. Your wood is out there somewhere. I would love to go do this for you. There's nothing I'd like more than a 9,000 footer at the price that we charge. It's out there. It's not coming here. And people expect, I mean, I would think also when I work with higher clientele here, like in the Boston area or the lakes region, there's something that comes along with having money. Some people just think, well, then I should have everything I want. Some people are very patient. But you would think at that level and what you're doing that people just expect that, listen, we're putting our back into this. We're putting some great money into it. This should all be available for me. But it hasn't been in the last couple of years. Well, look, I, again, I go to my clients. I, 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 I'm very transparent. I'm like, here it is. You guys know I'm here for you. You guys know I'll die for you. What can I do to make you guys? What else can I do right. to fulfill this order for you? I will do it. And I give them the options. We did, we had a, a project in Austin in the middle of this whole mess that decided to air freight three containers of wood flooring. It cost probably about $260,000 to air freight all that flooring from Asia to Austin. They paid for it. I gave them, I said, look, there's nothing we can do. You guys either pay for it or you got to have to wait. There's nothing else that we can do. There's, I can't charter a boat 
to bring this in here. I can charter a plane and this will be the cost. And they did the numbers and they realized that like if they get the flooring in a certain amount of time that they need, they can close the sales on a few of those condos and $260,000 is really worth it. And they said, fine, done. They paid us and we air freighted it and and got them happy and, and sold the units before the market, you know, maybe turned or whatever it was that they were worried about. And, uh, uh, you know, you just got to cater to the clients, but make sure you're transparent at the same time too. Well, we've, and we've heard, we've all probably had about enough of it up to our eyes, but what was, what's COVID been like on the left coast? You know, it's been, um, we had a, we had a little bit of a rough spell than other cities, not New York. New York has definitely been as far as I, I've been, I've been tracking it because we were, we were planning on opening. I was about to sign a contract to open up a showroom in New York, February, 2020, or is it 20? Yeah. 2020. So I've been tracking this thing in New York the whole time saying, okay, I guess we're not going to open now. Maybe we'll open in a year from now. And it's still the, the waves came in. The waves came here in LA and they were a lot more, the, the, the people who were in charge of the health and what the cities were doing here were a lot more cautious versus you know what was really happening and what the death tolls were and all that so that kind of did um that did hinder some of our our processes here but at the end of the day they let us do what we need to do because we're considered essential after your health your home was the most important thing in everyone's lives and i'm happy that our elected officials even some who weren't elected (laughs) as our health officials were at least you know, cognizant enough to say, we're going to let people finish their homes and move in. And um, you guys in the construction industry keep on doing what you're doing. And I, you know, I can, I can't say I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect. It's probably the oldest uh, field in this country. You're talking also forestry and lumber, uh, which affects a lot of people, a lot of mills. Sometimes if you go at the mills down in um, like Virginia and Tennessee, that's the whole community. The whole community yeah. is attached to, to those mills. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of problems. Mostly the, the end result, not just shutting down businesses, um, that, that eventually changed. It's the supply chain stuff. One minute, there's no adhesive. Next minute, they have adhesive, but no plastic containers to put it in. Then we can't get polyurethane because yeah. there isn't any. And when they fix that, there's no metal containers to put polyurethane in. Uh, and then... We talk about this all the time, but you you look at like the History Channel or the Discovery Channel and watch any show about loggers and lumber. How the heck do they cut down within an inch of their lives these trees? Spend the whole day getting them on a skitter. There's two cops waiting at the end of the the property to weigh them to see if they're allowed to even pass through. They they could get fined. They could get a load. They get passed. They get it to the lumber yard. They get it anywhere from your coast to mine. They get it to Boston, New York, LA, wherever it's going, and it's it's now pre finished hardwood floor at the best possible rate they could produce this stuff. And someone goes, "I ain't paying three bucks for that." <laughs> how do they even get it to us for? How do they get any tree out of the forest and, and anywhere? It's like if you watch uh, Deadliest Catch. I can understand why a crab costs a little bit. Wood should cost a hell of a lot more. I mean, it's funny that because now the plywood is more expensive than the wood, yes. you know. So, like that's that's the toughest thing. But yeah, I mean, that's something our industry has been dealing with for was forever. Is how do we make a product fit the price budget that the customer is willing to pay and give them a premium product at the same time? And if you want to, if you want to know the secret, is we keep on making that lamella smaller 
smaller, smaller, smaller. It was started with solid wood, then it went to a six mil, then it went to a five mil, four mil, three mil, and it's going to keep on getting. You know, eventually we're just going to put on these floors that it's a one and done floor. Um, that I'm sure someone's going to invent a way to just replace the floors without pulling up the floor, just replace the veneer. Mm-hmm. You know, you come in with some kind of like magnet or some kind of like remover that removes the veneer and the guy puts on the new veneer and you know, you have to refinish and get sand all over your house. So that's eventually, ultimately, I think where, where we're going to end up. With all that you're doing and all that you're involved in, what do you think day to day is the most challenging part of what you do? I mean, look, the mo- I think you just touched upon it right now um is yes we're working we're working harder than ever for pretty much the same amount of money that we were getting pre-covid so we're working twice as hard checking stock checking the next shipment checking the die lots checking all these things where normally we'd be like how many square feet you need four thousand okay done here's my invoice you know pay for it we're done here move on so we're definitely working a lot harder than before second thing is which was you know which is pre-covid and still now is any kind of variation, color matching, stain issue between a sample and what has shown up in a customer's home. That is the number one issue in our industry, especially if you're selling a sample in let's say Miami and the floor shows up shipped from LA to Miami, doesn't match the sample for whatever reason, got to ship that wood all the way back. So you lose the sale and then you got to spend thousands of dollars in costs of shipping that material there and back. Um, how to minimize that quality control. Um, that's really it. It's just really quality control and updating your samples. There's that, not much else that we can do in our industry. That's a scourge of what we do. Think about it. Now we have three components. We just sell the flooring. Now we have three components. We have, uh, flooring contractors now want to be involved in the stairs, stairs and rails and parts. And then the word stain comes in. You're like, oh boy. Now they want mm. finished, unfinished or pre-finished. Doesn't matter. They want that stained. Okay. Now I got pre-finished floor has to match the stairs. Nope. Site sanded floor downstairs. We had one the other day, pre-finished upstairs, hand done stair system in the middle and a, a floor to be re-sanded at the bottom. And they like a stain and they want it all done. And as you know, the chemistry doesn't always work. It's got to be a higher VOC. And then nope. it doesn't match. And then it changes at a different rate. And then guess what? Oh, we also have forced hot air and we would like the vents to match. Boy, it's asking for a lot. Now you know why for years, hardwood flooring contractors, we did everything we could to talk people out of stain. Natural. Everything was natural. Please let us coat it natural. It's very difficult yeah, I- to get all these components to come together. I got out of the refinishing business years ago. Once I realized that the customer is never happy, the profit margins are not enough. And the, the level of expectation that the customer is going to have, no matter what you tell them, no matter the litmus of things that you're going to go down and tell them, this is what you have to expect. This is what you have to expect. They're still, still going to say, you never told me about that. (laughs) You didn't tell me about this. Well, I got, I got to paint my walls. <laughs> Trees, as we were talking about, and would act as if they're their own color element. It's kind of basic when, when you teach a flooring class, you go, okay, do you want the reds, the blondes, the browns, or the stains? Other than that, mm-hmm. that's what, and what do we get constantly, regularly? Um, we put in, we have a red oak floor, but we put a white oak in. What do we do to make it look like that? There's almost 
next to nothing you can do to not pull reds out of a red oak floor without a lot of chemistry. You got to bleach it. That's it. Yeah. But let me tell you, now that you say it, there's one client that, that I will never let them take the samples away from my showroom is the client whose house is still under framing. I will not let them take the sample. I'll, I'll take a, let them take a cut sample and I tell them once your, once your plaster is up, once the drywall is up, I'll let you check out the sample. Because whatever you think that sample is going to look in your space is not going to look that way when every single yellow um, color that's bouncing off of your framing is getting into that wood. It's just not what you should be expecting. Let's get, let's wait a couple more weeks, get your, uh, like I said, the drywall up. And that's a true representation, a truer, I should say, representation of what you're going to expect, um, what your floors are going to look like in your home. So little things like that, that, you know, you just got to, it's, it's, it's just experience. Well, and the lighting and the you exposure know? alone, people come in, they mm-hmm. go into your showroom and they, they get in their house and they say, this doesn't, I looked at a floor in an inspection a few weeks ago and I went out to look at this and everything they did, nothing in any room matched. And the contractor pulled me aside and said, we did every, exactly the same thing everywhere. And I videotaped it and I said, Could you, can you come in here? And he looked at something, he goes, oh, what did you do? This looks good. I go, mm, all right, follow me. Went in the next room. He goes, well, this all looks better. In the front entry, I opened the door and the windows. In the other area, I found a large case of paper towels, and I put it where the sun was coming through, and then I moved it aside. I go, do you see what you're looking at? This is all sun and shading. This this house mm-hmm. is dark. It's a dark day out. You're not bringing any. There's nothing wrong with this floor until the lighting. And you're doing it with no lighting, no electrical off a power line from the pole out front. Like you're saying, really, it should be the flooring should be the last of the last. It's the most valuable and most expensive piece of furniture that you're going to put in somebody's home. Why don't you put it in when it's time to put it in? It's it's sometimes you just got to hold off, you know, and I, you know, man, I got a client right now. I love him. Really nice guy. But like, we put the floors in super beautiful teak floors and he started calling me saying at the end of the day when the sun is hitting the floors the bevels are all white and i don't like the white bevels in my floor and i'm kind of like what is he talking about and i went there and i see that the light of the sun is bouncing off the bevel in this floor and it's making the the bevels white at that moment of time and he's like by nighttime it's gone right and I'm, and he's like, fix it. And I'm like, there's, there's not much I can do with this. <laughs> I'm gonna buy some blinds. I mean, it's just, it's just that's the nature of the beast that we're dealing with right now, and it, it does that. So, yeah, it's our, our job is not easy. Well, no, is it never easy. is. But with all that you're doing and all that you're involved in, you got, you, there must be a favorite part of it that just keeps you coming back every day. What, what's your favorite part of what you're doing? That's a good question. Um, I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you because my favorite part should be seeing the end product once the furniture and everything is all moved in. But I, I rarely, I rarely, we we rarely see that we're kind of done and we're out. And by the time all the furniture and rugs get put in, you don't see how it actually came out in the end. You know, um, I think my favorite part is the chase. Yeah. I gotta tell you. I think that's my favorite part. There's a game. The There's a game to all this. I love the chase. Now, I hate the chase when I don't win. <laughs> yeah, that like, doesn't it, help. Like, 
I'll stay up for nights in a row. I won't talk to my family. It really hurts when I don't win. Like an athlete. But, right? And and like they said, I don't know where I read it, but they said when you lose something you don't have, it hurts twice as much than gaining something that, that you didn't have. And it's very, very true sure. to me because I put my heart and soul in, you know, okay, getting a job, but I put my heart and soul in trying to let my customer know why this should go with me. Sure. You know, I take it as like a little ego thing. Like, Absolutely. did you not understand like why I'm the best person that you should go right. and buy your floors with? Did I not do a good enough job to explain? And if you did go somewhere else, what did they do that I didn't do to make you understand that they were the ones like, that's where my mind goes. So yeah, that's definitely what my, my favorite thing is, is just, that that dance that we do most people in this you, industry are high, we're, right? listen we're not we, like you're saying when you lose like a good bid or a big job or something that you really had your heart in there's only one thing more rewarding is when you get that call and they go you know we really messed up not going with you and you go what happened no i i, oh. I gotta tell you i i, I actually hate that i actually hate I when love they call me because i gave those oh you love that you you're a spiteful guy oh, oh or, or i just will be like i'm sorry and they'll go you can't help me i'm like nah can't help you i i, I, I hate those you. calls because because i'm like I, I knew it i knew it i knew it and i feel like if i did explain myself a little bit better that you would have saved yourself from that big headache and i feel defeated yes. that i didn't i didn't save you is there, with all that you've been doing over the years, can you think of a particular uh, project that you worked on that you're that you're most proud of, or you've seen, or you've been involved with that you can even talk about? I know there's a lot you can't always discuss with your clientele. The one that I'm most proud of is always the next one. I got to tell you, I mean, I, I like thinking about the past and looking at those projects that I did, but the one that gets my heart racing is I got three projects on my desk right now that, like I said, I'm doing that dance, that they're going to be the biggest projects in San Francisco, the biggest project in, in Beverly Hills, and the biggest project in downtown LA, right. by far, in terms of in terms of floors. And to me, like, that's all I think about. That's all I dream about. That's all I wake up and have my coffee and tea to is how am I going to get the next, these next one or two or three of these projects, you know? That, that's what gets me up in the morning. I can think about the last project that I did and how beautiful that was and how great it was and pat myself on the back and, and say, oh, I love doing that. Um, I will say, though, I do my favorite job that I ever did was my own flooring yeah, <laughs> for my own house. It was a bar that we, we redid in my house um, that came out gorgeous, this black and white and gray pyramid uh, parquet floor that I could, I could probably send it to you so we could post on here of what it was. Yeah, let's get it's that actually, before business. Let's get that photo in there. I think that's because it's close to home, as they say. It's close to my heart and close to home. And um, it should be in the Wall Street Journal, I think, next Friday, if I'm not mistaken. That there's, They did an article on that on that space. Um, just gorgeous. Just gorgeous floor that I, you know, I had to put something special in my house, and I'm happy that my team and I came up with something really unique but and again it was only maybe i don't know 350 400 square feet sure. but i loved it and if it wasn't for that it's just i'm looking for the next big job that's what i want the next beautiful 
you know, what else can we do to get our get our name and brand out there? Really? Well, you know, we got a little fella here named Tom Brady that's been here for a while, and that's that's been his famous quote: "Is what's the best ring? It's the next one." And next they, one. they forget to tell people that he heard that in his college locker room from one of the people that was doing the maintenance work who had been a coll- like a collegiate player, a pro player. And he said to him, you know, what did you like about your career? And he said, it was always the next one. And he adopted that. And that's, I think a lot of people think that way. Hey, it's one and done. We did something. You got to learn from it. I, you know, you, most good floor people that you speak with and you ask them, they've never been happy with a single floor they've ever done. There's always, they will always remember the thing that wasn't quite right. And they do try to carry it on the next one and make it better on the next one. And you know, that's hard to do because they're all different. Every one of them is completely different. Everything about it is different. You're talking marketing, you're talking flooring, you're talking high-end design. How about franchising? Why don't you just give me one of your places? What's What's a good? I got Bitcoin. Let's let's wrap us up a place. <laughs> Boston would be a nice place for you to open up. Have you thought about? I would out? love. I would love to open up in Boston. <laughs> you know, one of our big contractors is out there, Shamut. I'm gonna give some some Woo! love out to Shamut. They're over over there in Boston. Uh, yeah, we're we're starting a franchise. That's something that we're looking forward to doing. I think it's something that our market um, is asking for. Let's come up with a high end, mid end range of flooring. That could be sold in all these different cities. That's not just, you know, our local mom and pop store. Let's add a brand to it. Let's add a design, designer led collection to to the brand. Um, and let's, you know, curate beautiful samples, beautiful ways of showing it. And um, it could easily be run by two people can run a showroom. Um, it's it's pretty simple. I think it's it's it's, you know, samples are the only inventory that any franchisee should have in our industry it's not much to it um and i just don't see anyone else coming out and filling this void which is that high-end brand in our flooring industry so i guess i'll i guess i'll do it well you know i i i've lied to you because i always tell everybody listen just give me like 20 minutes and i i said you know any flooring person worth their salt we're gonna kill an hour anyway you can't you can't mm-hmm. get rolling on flooring without, without getting in there so i'm gonna let you escape from me patients area and let me give you Four quick, quick fire questions. You answer them as quick as you can, and then I will let you impart to your beautiful left coast. Are you ready for my quick fire questions? Let's do it. All right. Any pet peeves about flooring? Um, any kind of knot that is filled with a black filler. Man, I hate those. You know, I hate, especially if the floor is a light floor. Um, you know, and the knots are more on the brown or light brown side. Anything that looks like a piece of With gum, a piece of candy, was yeah. stuck stuck in there. A piece of candy. My wife was calls stuck it in there. Old people candy. The stuff. I mean, yeah, come right. on. <laughs> if if you weren't in the wood floor industry, what would you have been doing, or what were you planning on doing? You know, I I told myself before I went to SE, if I got accepted to UCLA, I would have become an ophthalmologist. For some whatever, whatever weird reason, I, I like eyes. I can see that. <laughs> I wrote that one. You know? Don't take that. That's mine. Uh, <laughs> is there anybody in the industry that you know of that you haven't met or would like to work with? That's a good question. Or hang out with? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I got to tell you, uh, I would like to meet Ann Sachs because she's not in my industry, but she is someone in the flooring industry that I feel really killed it in terms of how she branded her tile line, how she grew it, how she got to a point where she was like, okay, I'm kind of comfortable and I want to sell this and retire. I think that's something that 
I personally like to aspire to and kind of like talk to her and learn, you know, what are, what are the tricks? What were your secrets? What did you do to kind of like get to where you, you were? Right. Um, yeah. And your last question, um, I'll modify yours a little bit. It's always, does anybody have carpet in their house? Come on, you're up in Brentwood. Anybody within a thousand miles of you have a carpet in their house? Do you have carpet in your house? Not rugs. I, we're talking I, carpet. I hate to say it, but I have a 10 by 6 space in my closet <laughs> that still has carpet from the previous owner that I haven't changed yet because we haven't redone the closet yet. But the second I do, believe me, I'm going to put some nice, you know, geometric collection or parquet kind of floor in that in that closet. We just haven't got to it yet. Throw uh, a little Bitcoin yeah. at that. You'll be just fine down the road. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I know it took us a while to get together, but Fame Hardwood Floors, everybody should check it out online. It, 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 Fame Hardwood, it's fantastic. And you and I will probably talk again because we, we got on the phone, we chatted a little bit. And every time I talk with you, I get more and more ideas about this industry and where it's going and where it could be. And that maybe I should just move out to the sunny side of the country. We would we would take you in a heartbeat. Of course you would. Please. I'm a pleasure to have around. <laughs> Everybody, I really thank you very much for taking your Thanks, time. Steve. We will talk again soon. My pleasure. All right. Talk soon. All right. Take care. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode of All Things Wood Floor was brought to you by distributor Horizon Forest Products. Horizon Forest Products offers customers over 75 years of industry experience and one of the most comprehensive inventories in the industry. Thanks to our guest, Paige Nazarian, for joining us for this episode of All Things Wood Floor. If you'd like to read his article about the four steps to quickly figure out exactly what wood floor your customer wants, check out the October-November 2022 issue of Wood Floor Business at www.woodfloorbusiness.com. And please take a minute to rate, review, and share this podcast.